Break Fix Podcast is all about capturing the living history of people from all over the autosphere, from wrench turners and racers to artists, authors, designers, and everything in between. Our goal is to inspire a new generation of petrol heads that wonder, how did they get that job or become that person? The road to success is paved by all of us because everyone has a story. Hey everybody, Crew Chief Eric here. And I know it's been a while since we've had tonight's guest on our show. And a little known fact, he was actually on our very first recording, although it didn't come out until way later in season one. So with me tonight is John Cafisi, who has now resurfaced from being away for quite a while. And he wants to share a long-term project he's been working on called The Project. So John, welcome back to Break Fix. And we're going to dive in a little deeper into what the project is all about, how it started, and where it's going. Hello, hello. Excited to be back. Yes, I remember episode one about another topic that was a brainchild of ours. So yes. excited to be back and uh, talk about old things and new things. That's right. Last time you were on, we were talking about what should I buy V8 convertibles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a good time. Unfortunately, we weren't, I would say, prepared as we would be normally in a good way, in the fact that independently, I believe the three or four of us all came up with about the same list of six cars. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. and we're like well, this is a problem because we're all saying the same thing. So uh, our spidey senses were yeah, working so pretty we're like, well. We should have checked with each other to see, hey, I'm going to say this car. I'm like, okay, so I shouldn't. So, But, you know, I have to thank you for setting off our first What Should I Buy? Because it has been a popular and reoccurring mm. set of episodes in our series. And we've done several since then. I'm a trendsetter. I feel like we've started a lot of fads, both in the GTM community and abroad. I will take all the credit for it single-handedly, despite all your hard work over the last year. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you you running the torch. I would like to give you some house points, which I also created and introduced. So points to you, and uh, let's have a good time. Well, as we sit back in our smoking jackets, leather-bound books and chairs in the cigar club here, Sipping on what are we what are we drinking? We now? have only of the finest of Italian liqueur, uh, <laughs> Di Sirono. That's right. Di and uh, and cheers. Uh, cheers, cheers, welcome back. Mixed with a uh, small family recipe of sugary syrup. You may have heard of it uh, out of the Atlanta, out of yeah, the Atlanta, area. Out, of, out of Atlanta, Coca Cola. No sponsorship or endorsement implied. But uh, <laughs> so let's take a trip down memory lane. Let's talk Ooh, about the lane. project, right? Or the project motoring, I, I guess, officially referred to as sure. Sure, so Project Motoring today is a uh, safety apparel company that we've started. We being me and uh, Dave Gilbert, another uh, instructor or coach driver with us. If you guys know a little bit about me, great. If you don't, MSF Level 2 certified instructor. I was a regional owner and now staff member of Clifton Driving Northeast. I work with the corporate a lot. We're pretty national in that, SCCA instructor, you name it. I've been to that organizations. Been doing uh, HPDEs and the behind the scene business of HPDEs for almost a decade. It's eight years now, which time flies. So as a, as a side venture, I uh, kind of expanded that. So instead of just on track product, as far as driving or the cars, out of that came a passion of seeing how the safety equipment industry over the years, especially in the last five years has exploded in a good way. Like we had the introduction of affordable head and neck restraints and the, and the Hans and the Simpson hybrid systems. And as Nomex comes down in price and more availability and more education and technology has revolved around safety equipment, it's really worked its way into the HPDE world because unfortunately, physics is physics. And it doesn't matter if you're in a full-blown race car on the race day or just doing a run-in-the-mill HPDE or even an autocross event, you know, fire is fire. And it's going to happen, whether you're at a race or an HPDE. So, well, we hope not. We hope correct, not. but you want to be prepared, right? The idea that oh, I'm only doing this or that really doesn't make sense in the world of that. So, uh, if there's an issue, there's going to be an issue wherever it is. So, hopefully, we have no issues. So, and this is an issue of actually really great importance to you because now you're right. actually acting as a volunteer firefighter as well. So right. you're seeing it on a whole different level. Sure. So I'm also yeah, I'm a volunteer firefighter. Uh, I'm a graduate of the Pennsylvania State Fire Academy. As well, I'm going to take a sip of my liqueur here. <laughs> mm. Cheers to that. I'm also an officer in the Army, so I've been overseas recently back. So safety is something that comes up a lot, and it's something that I'm certainly passionate about. 
it seemed natural. It was an easy transition into getting some of this stuff into a more affordable and widespread sense. So that's where Project Mothering is now. Our basic mantra for Project Mothering, I know it kind of bounced around there, but to, to really focus on what Project Mothering the company is, is Mazda had a ad years ago, it was kind of one driver, one horse, mm -hmm. where they were designing a car about being drivers. Ours is a little bit similar in the fact that it's, it's focused around the driver. So if you're driving your sports car or whatever, you know, on track, which is we're focused on track, anything that the driver touches is the safety equipment that we want to have. So, right. so what does that mean? So your garments, your boots, your gloves, your undergarments, your custom suits, which we're coming out with prices that are basically the same price for a fully custom tailored suit designed how you want it for what the big boys sell off the shelf, as well as helmets, head and neck restraints, seats, harnesses, and steering wheel. So basically, if you touch it while you're sitting down in it, we have a product for you that's going to be the same quality or better as some of the bigger guys. Kind of like those 90s commercials, you know, we cut out the middleman, factory direct, manufacturer direct. So we're able to pass the savings on, which is great because for the people who only do it a few days a year, they might think that they don't need it, but it only takes once. That's something we've really been focusing on and we're pretty excited because we have more and more products coming to market. We've recently been SFI, Safety Foundation Institute, certified as a manufacturer. Our material has been tested, putting out the reports online as a uh, somewhat marketing, but just really proud that our stuff is, is getting through and Absolutely. it's a good start. So that's where Project Motoring is today and that's kind of where we're going. So let's talk about the past. Mm -hmm. So where did it all start? Because your passion for cars goes all the way back to when you were a little kid. Yeah. And it stems way beyond that point. Yes. So we're sitting here in our letter bound <laughs> books of a cigar lounge, lounge. Yeah. cigar lounge, otherwise known as my kitchen. Please don't smoke inside. Take your shoes off, wear the slippers. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I've been a car guy all my life. I blame my parents. My dad's a big car nut. We're just sitting here looking at some pictures of various ones that I've had and me as a kid. And always been a car guy. So how did Project Motoring come about? Well, it started roughly 12 years ago. I was in law school, which sounds like forever ago, but it's really not. And uh, I was in a lot of car clubs. I had some tuner cars like everybody else in the in the late aughts especially you know? those uh, ss cobalt yeah you know? which i did have a turbo cobalt it was a street car i did a lot of autocross with it that's how i got into like motorsports competition legally unfortunately i did a lot of street racing with it but i found my way to the straight and arrow of it and it was a great car really great car good chassis good power the car made a ton of power it made like 350 wheel horsepower which for a 2900 pound car it's a lot. With like a 390 final drive ratio. Or front wheel drive. A yeah. front wheel drive car. Yeah. It just, it ripped. For what it was. Now granted, it was a sub 12 second car, street car, which, you know, it was an Econo box. It was much like the SRT4s or the WRXs, but just Chevy's version of it. Okay. So, unfortunately, I was involved in some late night, unsanctioned mm. uh, runs there. A car club formed around it, and that was the project, right? And the project was this group of guys that would enjoy their vehicles mm. on the street. I envisioned those VW <laughs> commercials from the late 2000s where yeah. it's like, we're going to go behind a Dairy Queen and talk about our car. Yeah, and so <laughs> not too dissimilar. So it ended up being, we used to meet up twice a monthly planned. We'd go to the, we'd all go out to to the bar together, which, you know, dinner, and then people would bring their kids and we, we kind of grew up together, So which was great. So that was a, a real strong family club for and that was up here years. in the Northeast. Yeah, right? I was here in the Northeast. And then it grew. It was basically at a PA, but it went into Jersey, New York, and sometimes down in Rockville and Maryland and in different areas. And we had we had some people everywhere. It wasn't such a formal membership. It was more of a loose collection of people with some core members. And and then we would, you know, we'd go camping together. We would travel together. We'd go to movies together. And it was great. But, you know, people grow up and, you know, they sell their cars and have kids and start new jobs and move away. So it kind of faded off. I got more competitive in... Um, actual competition for autocross and whatnot. I really started focusing on that. And this is when you moved to the Corvette. Yeah, and I started, I started growing wiser with, especially with my future career and thinking, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing the Fast and Furious movies on the street here. <laughs> so um, I uh, ended up buying a C7 Corvette, brand new. I was the third one in the country to take delivery of it in September 22nd of 2013. It was a 2014 model. Just dumb luck, I was the third one. The Corvette was delivering them not by VIN number or order number. My VIN was 000692. I remember that very vividly. In fact, the stickers on the wall. 
it was by delivery date. So whoever could fill a truck. I live in an area that you have to pass through to get to New York City. All right, makes sense. So my my car was the last one on and it was the first one off because it was going to North Jersey and New York City where people with a lot more money than us yeah. live and could pay for the Corvettes up front. So I was lucky in that. So I ended up joining the National Council of Corvette Clubs, so NCCC, which was the sponsoring group of the areas that we were doing autocross with already. And then I started running for the regional championship. I actually ended up winning a couple of years. Came in second some other years. There's actually a good guy that I used to run with, who still runs with, with and hooked on driving. So it's always funny Former seeing Former GTM him. member as well? Yes, yeah. So Steve, if you're out there, hello. I won't put you on blast. But you just did. It's yeah, okay. I won't say last things. I don't know if he's gonna hear it or not, but he's a great guy. And we have a lot of fun. So that's really how I got into Hooked on Driving was I met Mike through the autocross. So if you guys know Mike from Hooked on Driving and uh, he's become family just like you guys. And just kind of never went away. So we've been doing that for eight years now with Hooked on Driving instructing him. But you've been carrying the brand ever since. I see it on the cars. You see the black and gold. Always. Not to be confused always. with, you know, Pittsburgh in no, any way. Always. Always, that's family. So everyone at corporate is, is great too. It's a great cause. So if you're not familiar with Hooked on Driving or, or what HPDE is, it's non-competitive track events, right? So people who want to go on track but aren't interested in racing per se or just want to do a couple events a year, it's great. So if you have your complete stock street car, it could be a, a rental car even, you know, for people who are newer, the cars are always more capable than them. So I don't care if you're in a stock Corolla, that car is going to be able to do more than you can your first few times. Well, I meant more so than that. You've actually been carrying the project right. brand ever since. Yes. You see it on your cars. You see where yes. it pulls. That's what I meant by the so, black and gold, right? Yeah, so we've had, yeah, so our colors are also black and gold, much like hooked on driving. It's totally unintentional coincidence there. We had t-shirts. We had hoodies. We would, you know, do fundraisers and stuff like that. I've had the project as a brand for some time. Right. So, so where did where did that name come from? How did that just you know? It's, it reminds me of like Jersey sort of like the situation. Yeah. So funny. There was a, a a club we were all a part of before that. I won't say its name. I will. You can whisper. It, to it me. had <laughs> it had no. Sh now we were younger, so it, it, I mean in our twenties. So there was no shortage of drama. Something out of the movie. Some of the more mature people broke away from that, and we're like, we got we want to work on something else we want to do something else and we're like well what do we call it what do we call this project right and then we couldn't think of a name for it and then i was just like why don't we just call it the project because it's you know we keep saying we want to work on this project and get away from that yeah. so that's really where it came from something that simple the very first project meet was uh six cars i remember the guys vividly right where it was and and behind a, a bar and restaurant real popular little bar here in town in in the poconos we went inside. We had some drinks. We had some place serves hot dogs. We talked about what we want to do. Was it Yakos? No, no, no. It was at Rudy's Tavern in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. A little hole in the wall place. And we had Supers, which is uh, bacon wrapped hot dogs. Oh, that and sounds pretty they're, good. They're actually pretty famous in the area. We should go. <laughs> as simple and stupid as that. It was like we just needed a name for this project. And when we said, let's just call it The, the project. project. So it was The Project for eight or nine years. As I started to take the brand, because, you know, I don't want to say it was my work, but, you know, I, I was definitely the driving force behind it, no pun intended. Formalized it a little more, you know, because we had done some charity events. Mm -hmm. We did some kind of like make-a-wish things for some kids who were sick, who wanted rides in Ferraris or exotic cars or high-horsepower cars, you know, because they were sick or whatever. So we actually started doing that. We did about three or four of them. I actually have one on video that was on YouTube. It was awesome. Amazingly, with good luck and goodwill, one of them just graduated high school, which we didn't think he'd make it that far. This was almost 10 years ago. So it's been really cool. He just bought a Mustang. It's a 5.0, and it's like we're really happy for him. That's awesome. You know, I'd like to think we have something to do with him being even more of a car net. So we're like, okay, we're, so we're starting to do organized things here more than just like randomly meeting up and being a drinking club, which it was never really that. I needed to formalize it a little more, so uh, the project became just Project Motoring because it was no longer just about car club as much as it was car culture or doing things around car culture or stuff like that. So it wasn't just racing. It wasn't just being at the track or just car shows out or whatever. Or yeah. It would be everything. So what's everything? Motoring. So you know, if you're motoring, motoring can be rallies. Motoring can be poker runs. Motoring can be helping kids out. Motoring could be wrenching or talking mm -hmm. about cars or watching races or stuff like that. So... So Project Motoring became Project Motoring probably four or five years ago, and then I think we incorporated in 2019. 
Gotcha. Since about 2020, we've been putting plans in place to do something. So it's like going this. from going from the original car meets to watercross stuff to you know this more formalized, and now you're becoming you've gone from a brand to a lifestyle. Let's call it that, right? Sure. Yeah. So you kind of yeah 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 couture. <laughs> That you've now kind of changed the name again. It's evolved another time. Now it's PMX, right? So right. What's, what's so, that all about? PMX is not project. Not, not P90X, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did PMX come about? So what is PMX? So, so Project Mothering is a brand. Project Mothering is manufacturer. Project Mothering is a retail reseller. Project Mothering is a consulting business. If you need coaches or trackside support, we can do all that with our expertise between some of our advanced driver coaches that we have on staff, or whether it be you need help running an event because we have experience doing that, that's stuff we can do. So what is PMX exactly? PMX is our brand, or is our product brand. What's the X stand for? Funny enough, well, as you can gather, uh, PM stands for Project Motoring. So what we need- Extreme! Yeah, so I, I thought about that. We you just need, need an extra letter? It, it's, a simpler, it's simpler than that. Listen, you know, Walmart, ShopRite, Giant, they have their own brand, but yeah. they also sell Newman's Own, they'll sell Jiffy, they'll, but then they'll sell their brand, right? right? So we have our brand of stuff that we get manufactured to our specs, which again has just been passed certifications. We also resell some of the major name brands. Obviously we push ours because the quality is the same or better for a better price. So I'll be honest with you, it's a, it's a better margin for us, but everybody wins because the client gets it cheaper and we're actually hopefully able to make a living off. That's what PMX is. So PMX is an apparel brand, much like OMP or HRX is, and it's sold by Project Motoring, much like Rue or Speed Combos, mm -hmm. right? So what does PMX stand for? So yes, P and M is Project and Motoring. And no, it's not extreme as much as one would think. So we're thinking, what's a good brand name, right? Or really an acronym. So we were thinking PM, two letters doesn't really resonate. So then it was like, well, Project Motorsports, PMS, and we're like, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to float. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, I don't want to touch on that. You know, I was like, ah, that's, there could be some confusion there. It's the best. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> that's your tagline, right? Yeah, that'd be terrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and I'll tell you why that'd be terrible for the exact reasons that you're thinking of, and I'll get to that. So we needed a third letter. X just makes it sound cool. So X is just a, a third letter. That, so it's like in, like in mathematics, the X is whatever you want it to X be. X is whatever you want it to be. Find X, right? <laughs> so I am familiar with some se several other brands that use uh, three-letter acronyms, and I'm aware of some of them, those letters don't mean anything. They are also interjected. So if you look up a bunch of corporations and their mm. names are, I don't want to plug anybody else, but right. I, I can tell you offline, you'd be surprised that what actually some of the names of the companies are that have these three-letter acronyms that you know of, or like the longer ones, and you're like, yeah. wait, that's what it means? You're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the acronym sounds cool, so right, it works. Right, It so, gets your attention, right? Right, so PMX is is Project Mothering's own brand. Maybe one day we'll get some retailers or resellers to do it. I know there is a company out of Maryland. They're called Grand Touring Motorsports. They're very interested in <laughs> selling our product, and we're interested in working with them and setting something up. So the idea is that Project Motoring will sell PMX stuff, and then if other people also want access to PMX stuff, we'll be more than happy to help that get it out there. Now, why? Where did this come from? One, I have the passion because I fight fires almost daily as a volunteer firefighter and being, having all the credentials, as, the same as a paid firefighter. Obviously my time in the army, and I'm still still in the army and serving, which is fantastic. Thank you for a lot, that. A lot of issues, uh, I get paid. A lot of, <laughs> lot of, lot of focus on safety, especially uh, being overseas. So it just kind of seemed natural that here I am, I'm constantly teaching people how to be, I don't say faster, but also safer on track. Well, a lot of it's the equipment that we bring, right? So every, everyone wants to set up their cars, how do I be better? Oh, let me go buy a crazy suspension and it's only your second day. It's like, you don't need that crazy suspension. You know what I mean? But here's what you can do. You can get some basic safety equipment, which will actually help you be faster, right? So do you want to put a seat in the car if you're willing to do that? And the harnesses, you can do that. And to your point, we talked about this on a episode in season one where safety as a system, right? And so you definitely have to cater to that as well. And so just to not belabor that point, if anybody sure. wants to go back and research it, yeah, they absolutely. can look up that previous yes. episode. No, yeah, definitely th things are intertwined. They're, they don't act individually. A Hans device is no good if you don't have the correct belt for it. But here's what works in all scenarios. Gloves, boots, suit, yeah. or even just the undergarments. We have unintentionally, as I just showed you, created a product line. It's a Nomex shirt and pants. It's heavier than a normal shirt, 
So it might not be something that you'd want to wear necessarily underneath a race suit, but you don't want to wear a race suit or you're in or out. I don't necessarily suggest that. I feel like if you're going to do something, do it all the way. I understand it's hot. But if you wanted to wear a long sleeve shirt, you don't want to be fully committed to a suit, but you don't want to have no protection, we do have these in-between products that can work, A, in conjecture with a full racing suit or just on its own. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, having put them in my hands and seen them, the quality is really good. And I'm with you. I think they're a little bit heavy to be underneath my suit that I would wear. But as a HPDE coach on a fall day or spring where I want to wear a long sleeve shirt, but not have to put the suit on and get in and out of it and all that, I think it's actually a really great compromise between many of us have to do is like, or I'm going to wear something, I'm going to put a hoodie on, or I'm going to wear something, put my suit on. I'm getting in and out of clothing all the time. And it's like, it's actually kind of nice to have that balance where it's like, I can throw this on. I'm not going to wear it when it's a hundred degrees, right? but it would be really, really nice when it's, you know, Watkins Glen in October and it's 30 degrees in the morning. Sure. That would be really good underneath the, and, the suit. And this is my warning with that is, you know, my answer is always going to be wear the suit all the time. Oh, absolutely. Right. And that's, that's the right answer, but I'm also realistic and not everyone's going to wear the suit all the time or want a suit. And, and sometimes people feel awkward wearing their suit and, and around I, the paddock because you look kind of just pretentious, a, right? Is that's the word a I want culture to use. thing that we're trying to change right. because people want to say, not to digress, but to your point, people will go, well, it's just a DE. I don't need a suit. Right. And I know we touched on that earlier. Well, I can wear jeans and a hoodie and it'll be fine. That physics, that it, it, you know, that wall, that fire, that exploding gas line or that, that horrible incident, God forbid, doesn't care if you're at an F1 race yeah. or if you're driving your HPDE. And straight cotton's only good for what, three seconds or something Not like even. that? Yeah. So, Which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but no. in that instance is actually a lot of time. Absolutely. The recommendation would always be wear a suit. However, I'm realistic and I want you to wear something rather than nothing. So if you're gonna wear a long sleeve t-shirt, might as well wear a long sleeve Nomex t-shirt. Yeah. It's a little bit heavier, but will actually give you some form of protection, right? That product that I showed you that's coming out is uh, it's actually at testing right now. So we're getting the exact thermal properties of it. So we can give you an idea of the exact timeline. So for instance, our suit, our first suit, we call it the DRTWOC, right? What does that mean? There's been an ongoing joke inside of our of our company between our designers and people that are thought process and that's don't reinvent the wheel <laughs> that's awesome and don't reinvent the wheel is drtw so when you start seeing some of the product line with drtw on it those are our i don't want to say some of our front line or first line stuff but it's certainly the idea is that it's like listen we don't need to be super creative or exotic with what we're doing we just need to provide a product that exists that's going to work and that's going to be good quality and more affordable so we can put it in the hands of everybody, yeah. right? Don't reinvent the wheel. And OC actually stands for coveralls or overcovers, which if you look at FIA testing, the suits are categorized as OCs. Eventually we will have our own product that's FIA certified. We actually already have product that's FIA certified. We're going to also be starting to make that in-house and get stuff recertified. So even though some of the stuff we make is in-house, some of it's not, it's still made to our specs. So we like to say, you know, American designed, most of it's made overseas, which is fine because Nomex is only made and actually uh, sewn together in about four places in the world. So just about all the big name brands and even the smaller guys, we're all getting the stuff from the same, from the same people. So don't be fooled. FIA is really easy to find that out as uh, each one of the products has a serial number that you see on it. We'll just go on the technical sheet and they'll tell you who made it. So it could be brand ABC, but it's made by XYZ. Yeah. And those three or four brands are using the same stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about design decisions. I got to see the head socks there, balaclavas, that you have as prototypes. And I think we both agree they're a little bit on the thick side, especially for hot weather. But one of the things you showed me was kind of a previous prototype and the new prototype. And the big difference was... So the stitching. Small details. Can't take credit for it. I know some other companies are doing it. But... To their point, it's like, if we have something that is working better than what's out there, let's use it. Now, I'm not saying we're stealing designs, that's not what I'm saying, but we're taking inspiration to seeing what the trends are because we are small and we can be flexible in what we're doing. So why is the stitching different? Well, it's not different in how it's construction, you saw that, but the example you're making is these hoods normally traditionally have a center stitch down to what would be the middle of your forehead. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't think anything of it, right? But when you're wearing a helmet for 30, 40 minutes or an hour at a time, 
that's weight that's sitting on that stitch that's now driving into the middle of your forehead. It can be uncomfortable, especially as it goes from, you know, essentially the, to your center of your brow all the way back and over to the crown to the base of your neck, right? So now you got a huge pressure point. It's uncomfortable. So ours don't have the center uh, forehead line. And it also has a circular stitch around the top. So when you put that on, which we got to have you put it on, not only the, is it not going to get scrunched by the helmet, but it actually acts as kind of a fitted cap that sits right. on the crown and, and keeps it in place. Because another thing that we learn when we're wearing these Belklavas or, or Nomex hoods under our under our helmets, is especially when we start getting sweat or anything, they start shifting. And then mm-hmm. a little sticky, and some areas will, will shift and others won't. This kind of acts as like a cup that stays solid on your head. So we're really excited about that. It uses generally the same material as the undergarments we were just talking about, which is going to get tweaked, and we're, and we're dropping the weight on that. The reason why we're going a little heavier to start is because a little bit heavier stuff is going to have a higher thermal protective property, so the TPP, which gives you the, the timeline of how many seconds until second degree right. Don't reinvent the wheel. Start simple. Get a product that's going to work. Then let's get more exotic into the lighter stuff that's going to be more expensive, but it will be lighter. It's easier to wear. Now, why do I feel that way? Because for the DE person who's doing 25 to 40 minute sessions at a time, you can take the stuff off in between. You're going to have an hour and a half usually between sessions. You know, you're not running hours at a time. So this may not be for the endurance guy right now, but we have that product coming shortly. But this is the, it's a little bit cheaper to make, as counterintuitive as right. it sounds, using more material. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're using stuff that's been proven and out there for 50 or 60 years in uh, new designs and ways that are uh, efficient. It's making things easier to put in the hands of everybody and in a way that it's safer than looking well, I think there's also the other side of that coin, which is there's some old designs that have gone away, and I hear it all the time, people lament. Do you remember when they used to make blah, and then they don't anymore because of maybe manufacturing sure. or costs or whatever? And people want some of those older styles back because yep. they were either more comfortable or more stylish, or they might not be up to today's standards, but that's just like when we talk about the retro cars coming back. It's you take that old design and you modernize it so that mm-hmm. it meets all the current mm-hmm. specs, but then it appeals to the market that's interested mm-hmm. in purchasing them. So we're finding that with gloves and especially boots, right? So, I mean, just fashion in general is secular. We have the issue, people like the older style, simpler shoes. Yeah. Right? I mean, Chuck Taylors and the like are always coming back every 10, 15 years as, as fashionable. And, and we were just talking about the Pilates. But that's coming back around with the even the Nomex shoes. Because for a while we went with, in the last few years, like all the rage has been all the high-end leather shoes. Yeah. OMP's got a ratcheting shoelace. Which reminds me of some of the basketball shoes from right. the early Pumping 90s. Up. I mean, yeah. that is trick. But they're $400. I can tie my shoelace, guys. Like, I can tuck it in. <laughs> it didn't make that the truth. And does it give me any more protection than what our roughly one hundred dollars? Well, you have to look at what no. that ratcheting mechanism is made of. Did you just introduce some plastic? Yes. That so doesn't have the TPP as as the lace does. Absolutely. And and not to knock on Cool Shirt, I don't know their testings and everything. And I know they just came out with an SFI version. But the idea of having essentially an Under Armour type polyester skin tight garbage bag with water tubes on you is like probably a really bad idea because that's going to melt on your skin. I've never really bought off on that idea. And I know I'm guilty of wearing Under Armour under my suit before and things like that just because it's sometimes, some days you're like, it's so freaking hot. Sure. You know, that kind of deal. But. You know, we were talking about it with one of our guys even earlier today where it was like, you know, I don't understand people that, you know, can get in the car and it's 140 degrees and they're not wearing a cool suit. Well, it's like, it's acceptable risk at that point. If you're comfortable wearing that apparatus that has all that, you know, plastic in it and elastine and, you know, polyester and et cetera, then that's fine. But if you're not, you're like, well, I'm going to wear no Sure. And, and, and let me expand on, on your point to maybe some people who don't understand it, right? So the polyester at a certain temperature, which is not one that's gonna actually hurt you like a flame, but if you're just hot, that material will start breaking down and melting. And it'll actually start sticking to your skin. It'll bond, yeah. So what happens? You need essentially skin grafts, right? Because it's gonna start getting stick and ripping and tearing at the skin with no flame present, just mere heat. It's gonna start melting. So let me give you a quick story. I'm out of fire. I wear Under Armour t-shirts and the polyester type t-shirts. I'm wearing one right now. Oftentimes, I'm wearing one, I get a fire call. Off I go. Now I'm in a raging fire inside of a house. I have this underneath my turnout gear. My turnout gear is much like a Nomex suit, only a little thicker, heavier, better for that purpose. What's the idea here? When you're in an issue in a car and there's a fire, rarely are flames licking at your skin. Right. Right? You are now a hot pocket. 
you're being baked from the inside. So the majority of the burns that we're talking about are steam burns, mm. right? So it's all the moisture in the suit, on your body and everything. So you're cooking from the inside and you're getting steam burns, which are probably worse than like flame burns. So when you hear so many protection from second degree burns, it's because of the different barriers and layers, like the vapor barriers. And we can go, I can go into a whole lot of the science of it, but just know that that's really the difference. If you want to say the material of the cool shirt, because I am not proficient on their product, right? So right. I don't want to sit here and knock it. I know they have an SFI product as well, and I know it works well. But we're still talking about a plastic material directly. Or a neoprene or a vinyl or whatever. Any of that, yeah. and it's going to be an issue. So my point was, I'm in a raging fire. I'm putting on a fire. I come back to the station, the shirt's ruined, and it's starting to stick to me. Luckily, it wasn't so bad that I couldn't just pick it off, and I was like, oh, that's inconvenient, kind of like ripping a Band-Aid off. But it was scary, because if mm -hmm. I was in there more... I was fine. It's not like I was exposed to anything. I was just really hot. So the suit's going to be the same thing. The race suit's going to be the same thing, especially with everything underneath. Now, again, take the material aspect of the cool shirt away, maybe the, the plastic tubes and all that. You're putting water, lots of it, underneath your suit. So eventually, it's going to boil on steam. And if any of those pipes crack, you're introducing fuel for a steam burn. Yeah. I don't want to do that. There's other ways to cool yourself. Again, if you're only in the car 30, 40 minutes at a time and you're having those kind of heat issues, there's more to it to that. Maybe we talk about some physical fitness, maybe we talk about some ducting systems. There's other ways around it that I think are safer, less complicated, and certainly less expensive. Now, that's not to knock on a product. I know a lot of people like it. I'm not overly familiar with it, but just from a safety standpoint, with my experience, I look at it and go, we're introducing problems. You wanna be cool, I get it. I still think you should wear a suit all the time, but if not, we'll round back, we'll circle back the whole conversation. I think we have an in-between product with the underwear. And, and just like we were talking about before, I mean, I have been looking personally at Nomex pants, and they're harder and harder to find anymore. Everybody wants to sell you a full suit, and I'm like, you know, it would be nice just to have the pants sometimes where then right. I can change my shirts throughout the day, Absolutely. but my pants are consistent. Right? Absolutely. I know that there are some brands out there. They're not necessarily super cheap, but on the same token, you're like, I'm going to pay what for what? interested to see you know maybe products like that coming on board for pmx as well so pmx has obviously the undergarments mm -hmm. which is some of the shorts we just talked about that you can wear on its own as a, as its own layer or an under layer we have the same exact material in a pant material they're almost like sweatpants i tell you what they're comfortable i'd wear them around the house yeah, yeah they do look very comfortable <laughs> as a matter of fact <laughs> yeah you wear them around the house like lounging on the couch well if the house burns down i'll be okay so yeah we can do jackets and shirts independently we like to focus on the suit because that's what we complete recommend. set the system yeah, yeah absolutely but if a customer came to us and said hey i want this even if it's not something that we regularly do we can do it because we're flexible and everything so the big focus of pmx the brand is custom our distinction is that you can buy something off the rack and it may or may not be what you want it might be close but you can get something for within the same price probably 10 percent either way custom tailored with your design, with your logos, with whatever you want, at the same price point. And it's the same safety or more, and it's the same quality or more. It could be the same weight or less, which is great. Or, hey, I can't find these pants. I want a Nomex set of pants, and I don't mean the undergarments. I mean, just like a drag racer would have a jacket. Exactly, pants. exactly. You can do that. Maybe I don't want the drag racer version. Why wouldn't I want the drag racer version? Well, the SFI for road racing is 3.2A slash five. That gives you a thermal protective property of 19. Drag racing is like 10 or 15. It's a lot heavier, a lot heavier material. So if you're talking about, hey, I want these pants because I want them to be lighter or more breathable, you don't want to go to buy the drag racing ones because you're going to be about almost three, two to three times the weight. Like, they're going to be really heavy. But you wear them for, if you actually need that kind of pants, 10 seconds or less. Right. You're in the car, you're staging, you go make your pass, 10 seconds, whatnot, you're out of it. You're maybe in them for... 10 minutes at a time it's fine you don't need that kind of breathability or maneuverability either because they're gonna be stiffer because they're just big yeah. and bulky i mean we all remember wearing our huge down jackets in the 80s we can't put them on down <laughs> yeah exactly the christmas story right it's pretty similar to that now the nicer stuff certainly not but it's nicer stuff and it costs more money and that may not be where a lot of the people are who want to get into the hobby and it's better to have some safety equipment that's quality than some of the higher end stuff. Yeah, and I mean, my compromise right now personally is actually I move to cargo dickies because they are a, they're not as heavy as a jean. Right. They're not nearly like the drag pants, but the one big thing that sold me on them is they are breathable. They are cotton-like material, you know, all that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So they're good enough for DE, but 
it's cargo pockets. Because if I'm around the paddock and I want to carry my absolutely my tire, you know, my tire gauge or a wrench, mm -hmm. you know, that 10 millimeter mm -hmm. that I'm always losing, having pockets right. is awesome, right? So I got I got two points for you. One, I'm gonna agree with you, and the second one I'm gonna blow your mind. Right? So one, <laughs> before I got wiser than I am now, I would wear also Dickies, just work pants for like I would wear the jeans because they're twill, so they're heavier, they're cotton. Right. Uh, it's not gonna be like a gym pant or a shorts that's gonna be polyester and burn on me. Or 511 tactical pants because mm -hmm. they were a similar type like khaki like BDUs, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of, or even just their solid ones, like a little bit heavier, still very flexible, not too heavy but breathable. But I know it can take a little bit of a beating. But at the end of the day, it's not what it is. The second point is the fact that you can get custom whatever you want. I can get you cargo pants in Nomex, Eric. Ah, I like we'll, it. We'll yeah. make you some cargo pants suits. So something that we've been doing we've been talking about some of the race teams is they want crew suits, but also be able to drive with them. So what does that mean? So it's gonna be not as light as just a crew suit where it's just a coverall from contamination, but also fireproof. But these guys are holding the radios all the time. So we've been, we're like, well, why don't we make like a belt loop across your back in Nomex material that you can hook your radios to? Yeah. Like you would in your pockets. And they're like, oh my God, that'd be awesome. I don't have to carry it around. Or, you know, I have that on my crew suit, but I don't have it on my race suit. Well, why not? I mean, we're talking about maybe two ounces of material is that really right. make or break or it's too heavy or too light when you're sitting down no so let's do it you want cargo pockets on your nomex suit sure let's well you know the big let's ask the big let's ask is it. can you make one leg black and the other one white and if anybody's seen my car you know exactly we, what i'm talking I, about we can do that we can do whatever you want we can put logos on it yeah so if you, if you want to do four different limbs of colors i got you the whole rainbow on it unicorn squad unite and you have a different process for doing that as well, right? Mm-hmm. So not only do we have the traditional style of uh, different coloring, where each color is essentially its own material. The typical white, blue, together. black, red, and sure. all that. Sure. Yeah. And you think about how it's done. Like So each color is really its own material that's stitched into another color. So it's hard to do. So some of our manufacturers, super high tech. We're the only ones in the U.S. who do it. If you're familiar with sublimation, it's essentially like 3D printing for T-shirts and a lot of the carding suits. The issue with that is you kind of need like a certain type of material for it to take correctly and not run or be smooth or anything like that. Nomex is not that kind of material. We use a manufacturer, they're awesome. They make their own material. It has the same chemical properties essentially as Nomex as far as being fire retardant. It's lighter, it's actually stretchy, which is great. So one of their products can stretch up to 20%. So as you see the 360 degree elastic arm cuffs that we have for the shoulders and, and stretch panels in the back, while that's great, it's a little bit lower thermal protective property. They figured out something in the middle. So it's it's had that, had that stretchy, but also protective. But the material, because it's a little bit more exotic and not Nomex, you can actually supplement on it. You can 3D print, which means that the suit itself is FIA certified, right? But it's a blank suit, which means because you can supplement it and it's a white blank suit, you can put any design you want in any which way, any color, as long as you can get a graphic designer and make it, we can put it on the panels, make them line up and print it. Why is that huge for FIA? One, that's huge, that's awesome because it's groundbreaking because you don't have to worry about cutting together each pieces and patching it together and making the colors you want. But for FIA testing, it's a little bit different than SFI testing. And we're actually gonna have a podcast about this as well, the differences and the similarities between the two. FIA, your design matters, right? So your construction matters. Right. So, if I make a suit and I patch it together horizontally and I get that tested, which is expensive and time consuming, especially because SFIA. SFI takes about a month and it's about a tenth of the cost. Theoretically, SFI is more difficult for thermal protective property testing. It's actually a higher standard than the FIA. We'll get into that later. I have a suit. I'm constructing it horizontally. Like my patches are horizontal. So I got strips and they're going up and down and making horizontal stripes. That's one suit. I can get that passed. Okay, great, no problem. I take the same exact material, same exact material, and turn it the other way, and I stitch it vertically. I now have to get it retested in its own design. It's the same exact material. It's but just, your stitch counts are different in different directions. It could be the right? same yeah. stitch counts. It's just put together differently. Yeah. According to the FIA, that's a different suit, and you have to get it recertified. So what does that mean? That means that you can't get those different designs because the manufacturers aren't necessarily going to go out and test all that. Gotcha. So that's why a lot of the FYA suits, there's only really four or five designs out there, or a company only has one or two. Some of the bigger ones maybe have three. Yeah, it's like almost like crash testing some of the exotic cars. They're not going to do yeah. all of them. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Whereas SFI doesn't matter the construction per se as the material. So if I have the same suit 
using the same exact material and same exact construction processes and layers. I stitch one horizontally, I stitch another one vertically, you're fine. So that's why the SFI suits, which actually have a higher thermal protective property testing, are able to have a little more freedom. Yeah. So that's why a lot of the custom suits are SFI, not FIA. But this material, the sublimation, is a game changer because you can get essentially a blank suit whatever you want to do yeah. and it's already FIA certified because we're not changing the construction of the suit. And you were saying that right now you're starting to see that in the carding world more than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Where you're starting to see some of that process come through. And for the geeks and chemists and everybody that's out there, they'll correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember high school chemistry correctly, dye sublimation is a process of going from a solid to a gas without first becoming a liquid. Yep. So it's a very interesting process so how they do that. They're basically smoking it on. Correct. Right. That's why the material matters. Right. So, it has to be able to accept that right. type so of thing. So that's why you see some of the polyester t-shirts that have it, like crew shirts or like a right. pulling shirt, you know, the high tech stuff like that. Some cottons can do it. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's more popular in carding because those carding suits aren't Nomex. Right. Those crew shirts are not Nomex. Nomex is not a material that likes to do that. Yeah. This stuff isn't Nomex and it tests as good for thermal protection. That's interesting. Protection. So that's it's awesome. Because the process otherwise has always been uh, what is it? Direct transfer. There's embroidery, obviously, and then yeah. there's like a there's a screen print, and I think there's like a thermal transfer or something it, like that. They're, they're, like the the process of making it's, it's printed next, materials been the same for freaking forever. Yeah, yeah it's basically <laughs> next generation thermal printing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a chemist. I've seen it work. I look forward to going there. I believe before. 2022, I'll be in the factory doing the tour. So I guess my question is, what does the fabric feel like? Is it going to feel like those parkas you were talking about from the 80s? No. Is it smooth like no. that? Or does it no. actually feel like a cotton or so whatever? So it's got some texture to it. Okay. I mean, it's still, it's, it can be a coarser fabric. So even the shiny Nomex that you felt still has some, you know, it's not slick. It doesn't, right. It doesn't feel like a polyester. Right. But uh, we'll have one soon. You'll see it. Nice. Yeah. It, it still feels like a traditional material. So I want to switch back actually to the undergarments and the shoes for a second. So are you doing socks as well? Because that's always that something yeah. that's always a piece that people forget about. Sure. So we're working on socks. Unfortunately, there's a world shortage of the material to make socks. Believe it or not, because the cuffings are a slightly different material than the regular Nomads, right? So that stretchy material to make and, the heel, and, right? To make the cuffs, to make the heel, to make the band mm-hmm. that keeps it up yeah remember traditionally that's polyester in today's world the last 30 years you know if you got old wool socks that's great but even then the newer ones have the bands at the top old school socks didn't have that it was just tight material and after a while they stretched out because it was just cotton and they fall down you pick them up down and then yeah yeah, and then you get rid of them right well i don't want my nomex socks that you know that are you know not six dollars but thirty dollars to do that you know after a few sessions so the newer material is still Nomex. It has some elasticity to it, but because it's a different blend, uh, getting it shipped around the world has been quite difficult, but we do plan on doing socks. Yeah. And the reason I bring up socks and shoes is because I'm gonna use a, a fake statistic here. 80% of the cars you see at the track or any track realistically are gonna be front engine cars, except for your 911s yep. and your mid-engine exotics and yep. you know, Lotuses and whatnot. So what's the first thing closest to the fire? Sure. Is your feet. Yeah. Right? A lot of protection is needed. Um, also, if you have a gutted car and you've taken a lot of the, the heat wrap out, I've been in cars where I've melted the soles of my shoes, which is fine, but the rest of the shoe is not fireproof. So if it was catching on fire, that would be an issue for second degree burns. Shoes are important. For the most part, though, you see a lot of people wearing, they'll be wearing jeans, but they'll be wearing driving shoes, not because they're worried about the thermal protection, but they're like, oh, they're thinner, they make me drive better or that. Same thing with gloves, they feel the wheel better. Sure, I appreciate that, you're not wrong. I'm just glad it's Nomex and you're doing something. Right. So you might as well make the leap eventually. I mean, if you're going out of your way to wear a thicker pair of pants and anything, you know, a a race suit with some cotton boxers and a t-shirt underneath, or even a lot of guys don't wear any shirt underneath, which is fine, just the more you sweat and the more that gets in the suit, mm-hmm. remember that the moisture is really the, the issue that causes burns. And don't forget, you got to put that moisture back yeah. in too, keep right? It, so don't it, forget our, yeah. our hydration keep, episode. Keep, keep it clean. <laughs> Literally, I mean, like wash it is, is a big thing if you're wearing minimal clothing. Underneath. Do you recommend the molecule stuff? It works. It works. A lot of times it's just really gentle wash. You know, try not to use a Permanent super strong detergent. Yeah, yeah. Not, don't use a super strong detergent. 
What's nice is if it's actual Nomex, the thread, the fibers, the product doesn't lose its fire resistance. There's a lot of the one layer treated cottons out there that are cheaper. They do lose your fire resistance uh, every time as you wash, you wash them. them. Which so, is also why they get softer too. Correct. Right? Yeah. So a lot of people out there with like quote unquote one layer suits, well there's really not a lot of one layer Nomex suits. They're one layer cotton treated suits. I mean, if you wash them more than a handful of times, they're basically just a cotton coverall. Right, exactly. Yeah. At that point, your heavy denim farmer's coverall. Oh, you could have bought Dickies at that point. Tractor supply. It's probably going to be more resistant because yeah. it's thicker and it's a, a twill material, exactly. which is which can withstand more damage. Now, I think of all the things we talked about, you know, you were talking about compromises and whatnot, shirts and pants and, and even gloves. You can you can compromise on style and feel as long as they fit right. But I think shoes is always going to be a huge debate. It's kind of funny because you know, as guys. I don't think we're nearly as picky as, let's say, females would be in general, where it's like, you know, 60,000 different styles of shoes. Guys, it's like, I got uh, four pairs of black and a brown. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We kind of don't care. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to driving shoes, it, the shoe is now on the other foot. Yeah. We get super picky sure do. about the driving shoes. Sure and do. I will tell you, I've had a lot of different ones over the years. And I'm going back to what you said before in that like Chucks are great driving shoes. Mm -hmm. You can pick them up for, you know, 30, 40 bucks at Target yeah. or whatever. Sambas are like yeah. my go-to driving shoe because they are super comfortable yeah. and I can wear them all day in the panic. But I then used it's to like, wear Adidas Superstars on oh, the shell exactly. tops. Before I got wise, I keep saying that, before I got wise, I'd wear the shell tops. I have my pair of uh, Altamas, or as we like to call them, the prescription chucks. Uh, <laughs> they so are. <laughs> you know, they're sitting right there. I have a pair <laughs> too. They're great. <laughs> Especially yeah, on a rainy track. Yeah, they're I'm the best shoe I'm ever. The, I'm the one to blame for that, for that fad. But um, but there, but that goes back to the point. I feel good. like I'm bringing six pairs of shoes with me to a track day so because I, I got to worry about the weather. I got to yes. worry about it in my coaching. So which car am I driving? It's like you, a big thing. You've unintentionally have stumbled onto a secret that I'm working on and I'll share it with you is that you got a I, universal shoe I am, I am trying we were trying to, to figure out boot. a way to <laughs> manufacture a Nomex Chuck Taylor that'd be super uh, cool here's the issue with that high rise or low rise here's the issue with there that. we go like, everyone wants a low rise unfortunately if you look at the SFI regulations they have to be at a certain height, a height relative yeah. to the length of the boot so even the lowest you could do is theoretically a mid-rise to be SFI certified. However, because of the thickness of the sole and some of the other issues, it's not necessarily like us to sell a product that's not certified. Yeah. If I told you, hey, listen, I'm either gonna wear a Nomex shoe or I'm gonna wear my version of Chuck Taylor, right? Because I'm gonna be flying around the paddock, right? Well, if you're committed to wearing not a certified shoe, at least let it be not a certified shoe and the material that can actually help you, yeah. right? We are thinking about, in the end of design phase, and trying to figure out how to get it right, a Nomex Chuck Taylor, That's essentially. Awesome. So yeah, we're, we're, we're looking into it. Why? Same idea as the undergarment shirt, where it's like, hey, you can use it in conjunction in the system. You can use it without, and it'd be better than nothing, because if you're just gonna wear a t-shirt, well, wear this t-shirt instead. You're right. But it's not wasted money, so if you wanna use it as an undergarment, you can do that as well. I think this idea of shoe works, the other idea that we have, or also in the design phase and trying to figure it out, is a proper certified Nomex shoe that is less of a driving shoe and more of a paddock shoe, but this way you don't have to change out, right? Yeah, so, so what I so, walk around and whatnot. And actually, we may have one or two of them here for you to try. Well, and, and we were talking about this before we started recording. I mean, I'm right there with you because I find myself now, I have an assortment of shoes, whether they're track related or otherwise, but the best shoes I found in the last two years, I have to thank my daughters for this. They picked me up a set of Pilates prototipos and I wear them all the time yep. because I spend a lot of time behind the windshield. So not just at the track, but on for work and right. stuff. And just the way they've cut the heel and they have the tread coming down and how comfortable they are and you can heel toe in them. Right. You know, they're comfortable in general. They're kind of like my all around go-to shoe, but the problem is they're still a driving shoe. So they have that kind of pointy nose and they're suede and you're like afraid to take them anywhere, but you know, yeah. you want to wear them all the time. So yeah. it's always this huge compromise. And, and to your point, if you could have a Nomex rated Chuck or a Samba or something like that, then it would be like the ultimate shoe. So we're working on it. So we have, uh, I showed you some of the, of the prototypes we have now. Believe it or not, some of those are designed to be worn 
not just around the paddock. You can get away with wearing them everywhere if you wanted to. Some of my testing has involved wearing them throughout the day, just yeah. like as my sp- as my sparkle day. booties. I'd never do that. As, I'd as ruin them issue. in ten minutes. Correct. And we're trying to do something where, hey, wait a minute, we have a product that can do all this stuff, and it's still way cheaper than the designated yeah. one. I, I think we're on something. Again, I think it's because we're flexible and we're a little bit forward thinking. Yeah. We're unique in that here I am telling you not to reinvent the wheel, and that's some of our product. But I think shoes, you kind of have to. But on the other end, we're also thinking about how can I make this more cost-effective where, you know, like, hey, I'm going to wear the shoe everywhere because, I, you know, I wear a sneaker everywhere, right? Yeah. How can I combine it? As someone who instructs... You don't want to be changing shoes like that. I don't that, want to be changing shoes, but I also don't want to be uncomfortable all day. But I also have to set the example as being the safety guy. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm aware that a couple of weeks ago I was in West Virginia at the track, bazillion degrees out, and I'm thinking I'm getting in the car, I should be putting my suit on. Besides the desire, I was running out of time to do that because I, I can't walk around with the suit on because it's just blistering hot. I don't care what suit you have. If you have the lightest F1 suit out there that weighs currently the lightest F1's three-layer suit's 265 grams per square meter, which is ridiculously light. I'm still going to be warm walking around. Especially with no shade and 120 degrees. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're in an asphalt desert. So it's <laughs> it's going to be hot. So you're going to change it out of it. And then two, the lighter the suit is, the more susceptible it is to being damaged or losing its effectiveness right. if you're sweating in it. Because now it's an Under Armour shirt that's soaked and you're not. I mean, and that's the same wicking. reason why you have to change helmets every five right. to ten years because your sweat breaks sure. down the material. Sure. Unless you have one of the wonderful Rue products that we sell that has interchangeable cheek pads. But other than that, but <laughs> shout out to my boy Toto. I do love but, their helmets though. Yeah, Toto's a great guy too. He's easy to work with. So shout out to Toto if he hears it. We should get him on the podcast. He's a very nice guy. He runs a couple companies, Speedcoms as well. So like just sweating in it, if it's damp, it's going to lose effectiveness. It's actually going to do the opposite. So if you get an issue where you're relying on the suit, it being damp, worse. Because you're yes. adding more moisture. Yeah, you're yeah. adding more moisture to make more steam burn. So a lot of people will dip their balaclavas or hoods and like ice or water and then put it on their helmet to try to keep them some school. I understand the concept, but you're, you're introducing potentially more damage. You're actually reducing the effectiveness. Well, Quite the opposite. At that point, you'd be better off not wearing it at all. Well, and then there's the argument too that goes back to the episode we did with Ken about hydration. Make sure that your hydration regimen yep. and everything is up to par yep. and then you won't nearly be yep. as hot because you have the liquid inside exactly. <laughs> not trying to put it on yourself. If you feel like you need it during a session because it's too hot, well, the Rue Hellman has a drink too in it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another exactly. shameless plug for them. But, and you can get them from us cheaper than anyone. To focus on our own stuff, yes, absolutely. So, I think what people miss out on is the fact that moisture uh, is, is the essence it, of water. Yeah, is, is really an issue. You would think it'd help in a fire, it actually makes it worse. Right. I don't know if you like lobster or not, but when you, you know, they boil to death. And that's really the burns that you get. So the burns that you get in a vehicle, like on track, is not one where the fire is licking and, and burning your skin and charring it. It's where you're getting baked from the inside out. Yeah. When you understand that and you take a step back and then look at some of the systems that are out there, you're like, well, wait a second, that seems really counterintuitive. Maybe because it's wrong, yeah. or maybe it's because they have a trick system. I'm so as sure. we as we kind of wrap up physics. this <laughs> thought on all this, I do want to touch quickly on something you've mentioned a couple times, which is the certifications themselves. So without getting into the chemistry and the, and the physics and everything involved in those SFI versus FIA ratings, Maybe explain for folks what the limitations are in terms of, yeah, I bought this suit, I picked it up from PMX, a lot of people don't realize there's an expiration date. The timer is now ticking. You bought that yeah. suit. Yeah. What's your so, schedule look like? So now? SFI, good, bad, or otherwise, the suit's SFI rated. It technically does not have an expiration date. However, anything that you wear multiple times a year, definitely want to be on top of, especially how you keep it. It's cleanliness is really... Second to godliness, but you know. Yes, it's, it's really determines the longevity of the suit. So if you wear it all the time, but you keep it very clean and, and it's obviously not too beat up, you're fine. If you wear it and you sweat a lot, like me, unfortunately, I sweat a lot just standing still sometimes. So I'm going to get a lot of moisture in there so I can constantly have to clean it. Well, you know, there's salt and other materials in there. It's just going to happen and detergent getting in there. It's going to beat up on the material. So generally speaking, a suit should last you three years at least if, if you're taking care of it, unless you're like a super endurance race where you're doing it all the time, then I would say be careful. 
don't work on your car wearing a suit. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, right? Oil and other contaminants are obviously going to... Unless you're in a world rally and then you have to. Right. But then, <laughs> but, but they're getting new suits almost yeah. all the time, right? Or do all those things, but you're buying one every year, at least. Up to you. I don't know what your budget is. FIA now, the new regulations, so the 8858 or 8856-2000 rating, suits did also did not have an expiration date. Now they do. Now they're 10 years. Okay. Um, and it's 10 years not from the date of manufacture. So that suit might have been designed in, let's just say, 2018, but you have a 2020 version, so your suit would be good to December of 2030. So it's 10 years calendar years. So if it's a January 2020, you have December until 2030, right? So you really have 11 years. If you, yeah, I was gonna say, is it like the helmets where there's a if it's certain... Nope, if it's a December suit, then it's still a December suit, it doesn't matter. So. Okay. Does apparel come out every year or on a more regular frequency than the helmets do the helmets are always like every five years so or that's so. the snell rating snell yeah. does five years fia does it as it sees fit so if they see that there's been a significant jump in technology they'll start doing it for instance seats the previous model was 1999 was the fia technical directive right so your regular run of the seat and then sort of including halo seats and whatnot the construction and the, and the rigidity and the integrity of it it's been the same standard since 1999. 2021 is a new standard. It just came out. And right now, for the consumer market, as of uh, September 2021, there's one company who has a 2021 seat. So the 2021 seats are kind of a mix between the, I believe it's 2009 seats, which are kind of like your rally seats. Those are the much more advanced seats. So it kind of brings all the technology from that into the newer ones at a lower market price. That one company that happens to uh, create that 2021 seat, we were actually an importer of. So we're waiting on our shipment of that. So oh, very cool. That's exciting the route of Italy. Very exciting. Does it end uh-huh. in an O? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it does not. So suits are 2018 from 2000. So that's pretty newer. And they're phasing out. So I believe at the end of 2022, all suits must be, all new suits. Because you can still buy a 2000 technical directive for suit. And it's technically still good for 10 years. But the new ones are out and they're phasing out. So at a certain date, you can't make the old style anymore, but still by the year out. So yeah, the suits are rated longer than you'll actually should be using them for. Now, if you use it once a year and that's it, it'll go all 10 years. If you're using it multiple times, probably not. So is there a way to get your suit tested to see what its efficiency is? You could, but it would destroy the suit. They're going to light it on fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So essentially, so we actually have some of the test results and videos of our suits and material being tested. Going back and forth with SFI by getting them online on our website. It's going to be really, really neat. One of our manufacturers actually already does that. So it's pretty nice to see it on their YouTube channel. However, what you can do, though, if you really wanted to do this individually, you could reach out to your manufacturer and say, hey, send me, I'll pay for it, whatever the answer is a test sample of the material. So SFI uses uh, seven by seven inch square materials and it has to be constructed exactly like the suit is constructed. So if you use square quilt style stitching, it's gotta be that. If you use diagonal, it's gotta be that. If your inside layer is 190 grams per square meter and your outside is 220, it's gotta be that. If it's 280 and 150, whatever it is, it's gotta be that. And they'll test it and they'll do the thermal protective properties. So if you want to do uh, certification and recertification or what's just called an R&D for the research and development, it's different prices, and they'll send you the results on it and they'll tell you what the thermal protective property is. They'll tell you what some of the shrinkage is. They have several different tests that they use, super informative. If you wanted to do that, you could. To test like your individual suit that you would wear, no. Not only would it destroy the suit if that were to do it, but they don't test SFI does an FIA requires a full sample. SFI does not require an actual suit for the sample as much as just the material. Now for the boots, gloves, undergarments, and hoods, they do require not only similar test sample materials, but also a, a full sample. One other question as we're wrapping up this whole entire thing, you know, we're talking still about petrol engines, ice yeah. cars, right? And which is what we predominantly see. Correct. You know, as we talk more and more on this show about the EV revolution, as we labeled yes. it, not only do we have to worry about fire, but I think we need to worry about electrostatic shock or short circuits sure. in the electrical systems. Is that something that suit and apparel manufacturers are considering is some sort of way of grounding the material? Sure, so how do we have, so a lot of electricians and, and, and I used to work in a warehouse many, many years ago and we had to have certain electric resistant boots. Exactly. And they were mostly a rubber material. A flammability problem. Right, so funny enough for SFI, 
uh, and FIA, the sole of the boot, which is predominantly rubber or other materials, is not tested because they know it's going to be bad, right? There's really nothing to do about it. The outside of the boot, if it's house weight or leather, is also not tested because there's a general understanding of its thermal protective property. It's just, it is what it is. Whereas Nomex, different versions, different weights are going to have different protective property. But that's why your boots, the inside layer, is uh, Nomex and other different fire retardant properties. And that does get tested. If we were going to worry about electrostatic shock as a new manufacturer and someone who's kind of like experimenting with the different materials. So I look at how the boots are made now. You have a outer layer that's maybe more protective against that threat and the inner layer is still Nomex. So the outside is going to have maybe lesser thermal protective properties or could be more because it's thicker material. So the suede, you know, thick house suede is still going to be slow to burn. It might transfer more heat, but yeah. it's going to be slow to burn and the inside being Nomex. I, I don't know the exact answer to that. It's, it's a great question. Well, and I bring it up because, not because of your, you know, guy that bought a Tesla and he wants to go to the track and try it out. Well, like I think it's because of what we heard earlier this year, we talked about on a drive-thru episode, which is the NHRA has fully sanctioned an EV class. It's, yeah, it's the true, first yeah. motorsport yeah. discipline to yeah. go electric. And, and Ford's fully Well, other than Formula it. E, yeah. right? Well, I mean, Ford, I, I was just reading there, they have a Cobra that's a, a Mustang that's an EV. It's fast. Yeah. And they refuel it. So you got to um, think about it slightly. You have to think absolutely. about other risks so, at that point. Here's the thing with EVs, and that's a great point, electrostatic shock and all that. But to be honest with you, with EVs, the fire danger increases, right? Mm-hmm. You can put a gas fire out. You can put fire material if it's burning paint, or your inside of your interior, your uh, whatever, your electrical fire. You can put that out. A Tesla, an EV fire, you're going to be sitting there burning because they can spray you all you want. It ain't going out, mm-hmm. right? So you got to get out of the car fast, just like anything else. However, your system, your fire suppression system, if you're fortunate enough to have one in your car, which you should if the car is that dedicated, it's not going to do diddly squat because as long as there's an electrical charge in the batteries, if the, if the batteries are on fire, it's going to burn. So as a firefighter, here's my experience with that, we're getting additional training on the EVs and Teslas and whatnot. You may have seen the story about a Tesla that burned for 30-some hours mm-hmm. out in Texas. It'll burn as long as there's fuel. No amount of chemical you're going to pour on that car is going to make that battery have less electrical properties. And sometimes it might make it worse. Correct. Right? Yeah. You know, spraying water on it might make it worse. So if we get to that point. So I'm less worried about electrical current as far as it's shocking me or, or doing damage as electrical current. And more worried about electrical current and the fact that it's the energy it produces that can't be put out by like traditional firefighting methods. Yeah. Which is all we have inside of a car right now. Which means that you need to be better at preventing burns than trying to stop them or put them out after the fact. A suit it becomes much more important than an EV because your priority is out of the car. Not, I have a fire, let me hit my suppression system, hopefully it goes out and then take my time. And that's much more intense heat too. I need uh, more protection from higher degrees of burns and getting out quicker and giving me more time to do so. As much as we might need a new material or thought process for the new technology, we actually need more of the same, even more so, of what's already out there to protect us. Well, John, this has been a really good look at safety from a different perspective, right? We've covered safety on this show before, but this is a great way to reintroduce it from another angle, another vector, and kind of expand our minds on things that we probably take for granted on a a track weekend. So I want to thank you for that, but I also want to give you the opportunity to shout out to anybody you want, but also tell people how they can get a hold of you for more information. Absolutely. So projectmotoring.com, the website is up. It's going to be constantly evolving as we bring uh, products to market. We're always accessible. You can email us. Our contact information is on there. Obviously, phone number, Facebook, Instagram, email, website. We're at at Project Motoring on Instagram? Yep. Sure are. And then same thing on Facebook. We're pretty much at all Hooked on Driving Northeast events. We're set up shop there. If we're not actually staffing the event, we're walking around trying to help out. We are at SCCA and NASA events uh, as we as we continue to grow. So the big thing we like to do is try to be trackside to meet people, say hello, put names to faces. But also because we are custom, we like to measure people, get things right. And again, it's, it's, it's a similar price point as off the shelf, but custom. Our big market, we were teasing before about PMS, is actually ladies because 
Ladies have a very difficult time finding product that fits them off the shelf. Another sneak peek is we have a SFI sports bra coming for the ladies who need that. Very cool. Those are basically polyester and yeah, are, uh, and a little bit of metal too. Yeah, so yeah, all, so all, all things that are real terrible. So, so you can find us there. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We're one of you. We're car people. We're track people. We're everywhere. As they say, four petrol heads, yeah. five petrol heads. Yeah. So we appreciate coming back. I always appreciate hanging out with GTM guys. It's it's our second home or third home or it's one of our homes. So always appreciate it and thank you for your time. Yeah, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. So again, folks, if you want to learn more about PMX and Project Motoring, visit www.projectmotoring.com or follow them on Instagram at Project Motoring. So John, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show and we hope to have you back on several more times now that you're here more permanently. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of content coming up. So Very cool. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.